Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 12. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dose of Leadership Podcast. I am Richard Ryerson. I want to thank you personally for all the support you guys have been giving me out there to help uh, continue to grow this show. It's growing by leaps and bounds. We're still in the one of the top 10 categories in the business category in iTunes. If you got a chance, go to iTunes and uh, submit a review. Tell me what you think about the show. Hopefully it's five star. But I want to hear from you. Go to doseofleadership.com, uh, send me an email, drop me a comment line, tell me what you think about the show, what you'd like to see improved, who you'd like to see interviewed. Any feedback would be highly appreciated. I'll answer every email. So again, enjoy the show and thanks for your support. Well, I'm pleased to have on the show today Coach Bill Schneider. He's the head football coach for the Kansas State University Wildcats, and he's far and away the winningest coach in K-State history. He's had two tenures as the head coach at K-State. His first was from 1989 to 2005, and it's considered one of the most successful rebuilding projects in collegiate history. Hall of Fame football coach Barry Switzer even commented on that rebuilding effort, saying that Coach Schneider is not the coach of the year, he's not the coach of the decade, he's the coach of the century. Now, he left on that swan song in 2005, but he came back in 2009, where he remains the head football coach even today, and he led his team to a Big 12 Conference Championship, the first since 2003. Well, I brought Coach on the show not because he knows a lot about football, because he does, but because of his lifelong passion and dedication to leadership and leadership development. I love how Coach Schneider is committed to helping make the, the lives of others better, but I especially appreciate and love how he believes and encourages that all of us, including you and I, are fully capable of being that someone who can make the lives of others better. Coach, thanks for coming on the show today. How are you? Well, I'm fine, Richard, and I greatly appreciate that uh, wonderful introduction. I need to take that so I can <laughs> share it around. But uh, I, I appreciate what you're doing and uh, your willingness and desire to help others and involve yourself with uh, the fundamentals of leadership. So I will enjoy the time, I'm sure. Well, thank you. Well, take us a little bit back. Let's, how, why did you become and how did you become so passionate about leadership and leadership development? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, <clears throat> a firm believer that, you know, that it's a, an innate quality. You know, I think it's, you know, something that people very simply can uh, invest themselves in and uh, develop over a period of time. And, you know, when you're involved with, well, whatever entity it might be, you know, mine happens to be, you know, a variety of different things, but uh, everybody is thrust into that role, or at least that was <clears throat> has always been my impression, uh, you know, whether it be in your in your business or in your community or your church or your family, uh, and uh, in addition to that, in our case, uh, in managing a sports program as well. And uh, so we're all thrust into into that role, and if indeed that is the case, uh, which I believe it is, and it uh, just uh, <clears throat> made sense to me that it would be important to uh, try to help young people develop uh, the capacity to 
<clears throat> serve in those leadership roles and develop some of the qualities and some of the traits that you know allow that to uh, <clears throat> allow that to happen. So, you know, it was I, I guess it evolved into that thinking over a period of time, working with uh, with young people. When did you first start coaching? Uh, a thousand years ago, uh-huh. uh, I was uh, I left. College and uh, graduated in uh, 1962, and uh, my first year of coaching was at the high school level in 1963. Who did you have any leadership heroes back then? Did you have any great mentors, any coaches, family members? Well, I, you know, I've yes, uh, and and still uh, accumulate. You know, I've sure always felt that it's. Uh, or I've, I say I always felt I learned at a particular point in time in my life how significant it is to surround yourself with people that, you know, can and will and want to make your life better, you know, people that genuinely care. And I've been blessed to have, you know, a, an assortment of people like that who, you know, have impacted my life in a variety of different ways. Uh, and it started with my mother. And I uh, probably... You know, would not have uh, moved forward as I have uh, without, you know, her help, and she's been <clears throat> always been significant in my in my life. And as you go through school, uh, you know, I've had elementary teachers that uh, that I can remember to this day who uh, I think you know provided me with some direction and some insight that has been valuable through my life. Uh, same was true in high school. You have coaches that uh, leave a lasting impact because they genuinely cared and uh, truly uh, wanted to uh, help in a variety of different ways outside of athletics. Uh, had uh, school administrators when I was in high school <clears throat> that uh, that I had a great appreciation for and felt the same way and. And it, and it went that way all the way through, you know, college. And then when I got into teaching and coaching, uh, you, you know, I worked for and with, you know, a lot of people that had uh, uh, a very positive impact on, on my life. And it's been that way uh, for however many years that is. Uh, you know, one thing I always find that's fun and, inter- and interesting is when I ask people who they are and they and they start listing the chain of people and events and everybody starts thinking about it. they can start thinking about those handful of individuals who made an impact on their lives but that's always fun and interesting too but it, it's it's also revealing and kind of eye-opening for me every time i hear that is like you know we have to consider ourselves we're in somebody's chain too and when you realize that you realize that you have and the potential to have such an impact on anybody's life so many people's lives both positive and negative that's why i love hearing about the chains of events of people that have impacted your lives well, I think you, uh, you know, my, my feeling is that you uh, learn from, or at least my experiences are, that I've learned from virtually anyone and everyone that I've, yeah. you know, time with. Now, you know, you don't always learn the things that you want to learn, or you <laughs> yeah. don't always get the uh, positive uh, feeling about, uh, you know, some of those acquaintances, but, but you learn something, you know, one yeah. way or the other. Uh, that's been valuable to me. Yeah. You know, one thing that, you know, you, we can certainly sports and coaching, you know, there's so many analogous parallels to 
to life and business in general. But one thing I always think coaching and sports can do is help businesses and individuals in general is the whole idea of decision making. I think it's something that's really lacking on so many levels, especially uh, in every aspect of people's lives, is having the courage and the conviction to make decisions. And I know with football, and you guys have got to be, you know, you, you can't, people maybe not see it on TV so much, but you have to have an environment in some aspect of decentralized decision making because things change so fluidly. No matter how much you practice, how much you put down on paper, there has to be some decision making down at the field that you, you know, that you can't provide anybody. Isn't that correct? Well, I mean, that's very, very accurate. And, and we look at, you know, decision making too, uh, in two distinct, uh, categories and certainly one of them is as you alluded to and <clears throat> how a you know how a youngster makes that sudden decision because you can run the same offensive scheme or defensive scheme you know a thousand times and a thousand different things will take place that require you know sudden decision making and you try to put young people in as many uh, of those situations as you possibly can, but you know, in all reality, it becomes uh, <clears throat> too cumbersome to be able to actually uh, practice those uh, all the possibilities that uh, that take place. So it you know it requires some uh, imagination on the part of young people and. Uh, and in some cases, there's, you know, uh, uh, the capacity for, I think, natural reaction uh, that allows young people to make, you know, quick decisions on the, <clears throat> on the football field. But, you know, we we probably look, <clears throat> excuse me, we look, uh, you know, uh, very heavily into the decision-making process and in relation to uh, choices they make in life. And most people think, well, you know, you're talking about social decisions, you know, alcohol use, uh, drug abuse, and sexually related issues, and uh, and all those behavioral choices, etc. cetera. But uh, <clears throat> that's, that's just a small part of it because there's, you know, decisions that we make every day, and some of them, you know, mean absolutely nothing. But, you know, on occasion, we make, you know, a decision that will have a tremendous impact on, you know, the lives of countless others. And we're, you know, strong believers in having a process about how things are, are done. You know, in a, in a sports-related program, you have a process about how you practice and uh, and so on. And in life, we, you know, have a process. You have a process, what you do every single day, and uh, remains, you know, somewhat consistent. Uh, but I think most people on significant issues like appropriate decision-making really don't have a, a process, a method that they follow in order to make those appropriate decisions. And, and I'm sure there's you know, countless uh, methods or procedures that could be utilized, and you know, we <clears throat> like to make it as simple as we possibly can. Well, um, I, yeah, I think... I, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just saying that it's... You know, I, to me, it's it, it's a matter of, of having a, a very true and, and realistic understanding of what your priorities are in life. Yeah. And once you've been able to thoroughly define what those priorities are, then, you know, the decision-making process becomes, 
I think, much simpler. You know, and it's just a matter of stepping back from whatever decision you're confronted with and trying to uh, define whether or not it would, if you made the decision to do whatever it happens to be, that it would positively impact, you know, uh, any or all of those priorities that you have in life. And if, you know, if it wouldn't, then it probably is not the appropriate choice to make. Uh, And that's what we try to convey to the young people in our program. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I think the takeaway is, you know, first and foremost, understand that, you know, any decision can be an impactful decision. Treat every decision as an important one and make sure they're aligned. If you know, like what you just said, they're aligned with a purpose and a value. And if you know what your purpose and values are, then the decision making process becomes that much easier. Agreed. So, yeah, I think, you know, and having the courage, you know, what, what you said right there is having an having the courage to really understand what your purpose and values are is going to help in the decision-making process. But I think the other part is just understanding that all decisions, they don't have to be, like you said, life-altering decisions, the obvious ones about drugs, alcohol, sexual things, but it's about, you know, it can be anything. If I decide to communicate with this, yeah, so I like that. The other thing kind of tied with that is um, and I see in the civilian corporate sector anyway this whole idea is like how do you create this environment and I'm as a pilot we focus almost all of our training on this especially flying multi crew aircraft is how do you create on a communication level an open and honest environment where you can get the brutal facts from somebody one of the biggest complaints I see from you know the CEOs and the people at the top is like I just didn't know because you don't everything gets sugar coated up to your level and then the second part of it is how as being a good communicator and a leader, how do you give positive reinforcement? Coaches are good at this. How do you give positive reinforcement without demoralizing and discouraging, you know, keeping them po- keeping it positive? Well, I, you know, I think the, you know, the, the first part of the question, uh, at least for us, is, uh, you know, to, to be able to have that kind of lay it all on the table communication uh, come from, relationships and how close a relationship you you have and whether or not you have the willingness to quote unquote expose yourself uh, by being able to uh, share things that maybe are uncomfortable for you to share and if you can get to that point in a relationship then <clears throat> they're probably it becomes much easier than to uh, be able to be open and honest and uh, share what needs to be needs to be shared. We have a uh, you know a, a quote unquote drill that that we do with young people in our program and do it on a very regular basis, almost daily, <clears throat> where they you know and we'll have 120 or 130 young guys and they will pair off with a different partner each day and we will give them a topic in which they <clears throat> share with each other. Uh, their response to that topic, and it might be, uh, <clears throat> you know, what's the, you know, what's the most difficult, what was the most difficult time in your life? Uh, who, uh, who do you uh, admire the most, and why? And a variety of different questions like that, and and the questions uh, eventually uh, get into some very personal. Uh, areas and which you know it's it's 
normally pretty hard for someone to address some of those some of those topics but uh, they've <clears throat> learned to open up with each other and it brings you know the <clears throat> the camaraderie yeah in the in the family environment uh, a lot closer and uh, I, I think if I were in the business world I would <clears throat> maybe not do it exactly the same way but I would uh, certainly uh, try to find a way to uh, implement the same type of uh, same type of concept, and it's you know it's uh, you know significant in, in anyone's family life, and uh, you know that you're you're able to open up and speak <clears throat> about things that are sometimes you know difficult, and and it's probably a lot easier not to address them at all. So that that's our way to approach it. And I, uh, what was it? The second part was well. The second part. Let me comment. I love what you said there. I think it's important to say that you know the whole idea of being a leader. I mean, if you show vulnerability, and that's exactly what you're hitting on the head. You're right. It does build um, a bond, and um, you don't see it enough. And some of the greatest leaders that I've seen, the most rough and tumble, the ones that were vulnerable and wore the wore those emotions on their sleeve. You got to walk a fine line. It didn't have to be all touchy feely, but. If you have that vulnerability piece that you talked about, that is that is key to leadership, I think. The second part of the question was, was the positive reinforcement. This is where I think coaches excel at, is how can you be, you know, constructive criticism? How can you be positive? How can you, you know, without demoralizing and discouraging your folks? Well, I, I, to me, it's, it's very important that uh, people in our program understand that, uh, that we're going to be open and honest. And that, uh, you know, we're not always going to find the way to make a negative uh, sound like a positive. You know, if it's a poor performance, then we're going to identify it with with the understanding that anything and everything that we might do or say is in your genuine best interest, and it's uh, and it's the purpose is to try to uh, help you become <clears throat> vastly improved over a period of time in all facets of your life. And uh, and that there is no, uh, there is nothing that we would say or do that would be, uh, that should be perceived as, as personal. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's there. You know, if it's, if it's a positive statement, uh, and it's there for your benefit because it's, it's actual uh, and it's true. And we want you to understand that. And if it's uh, what appears to be a negative concept or thought, uh, then it's because that's the way we view it. And uh, and here's how we can we can change that. And here's how we can improve it. And you have the capacity and capability to do so. We would never ask you to do anything that we didn't believe that you were very capable of doing, and we're here to help. And here's how we think we can solve the problem. Uh, so, and uh, and I think that young people in our program and our staff here, you know, understands uh, understands that. Uh, you know, sometimes you hear things that you might not want to hear. Uh, level of performance, uh, but uh, and that's on and off the field as well. Uh, but you know, by the same token, there is a genuine understanding that 
uh, yes, when I think about it, uh, I, I can improve in that area, and it would be in my best interest to be able to do so. And uh, rather than say a bad performance is really a good one. Yeah. Like you said, if you set that culture and you set the vein, it's all about continuous improvement. That the only reason why I'm communicating with you at this level is because I care and I love about you know where you're going to go, and it's all about continuous improvement. Right. That's the goal. As we wrap up here, what advice would you give any new leaders that are out there that are maybe just started in a leadership role or they're thinking that, that maybe they got a chance of being a great leader? Any advice for all of us out there and up-and-coming leaders? Well, I think, number one, you <clears throat> you pretty much have to be yourself. And I think, number two, uh, you, it is, you, know, you, you climb a mountain step by step. And uh, the... Uh, you know, sometimes you're thrust into those roles or, or you're trying to evolve into those roles and you attempt to take on uh, maybe more than would be appropriate. Uh, but I encourage young young people here, and we try to start leadership training when they enter as first-term players or freshmen, uh, and I encourage them to uh, start small, uh, meaning, uh, you know, identify an individual who you believe could utilize your assistance. And rather than try to do it for 130 young guys, uh, you know, pick out one and that you can help and befriend that individual and then engage in, uh, in trying to assist that individual with whatever the issue might be, whatever problem he might have, whether it's work habits or attitude or whatever the case may be then gradually work yourself uh, into uh, a, a little larger group. And, and and it's ideal in football because, you know, you're broken down in positions. So, you know, a young guy that happens to play at the quarterback position, you know, starts slowly with one individual and then reaches out to his entire group. Pretty soon he can have the experience and now be able to reach out to the entirety of the offense, and then as he gains more and more experience, and he can reach out to the entirety of the football team. So, you know, it's, it's uh, allows you to, you know, if you're going to make your mistakes, you'd probably be better served to make it with one than with 130. Yep, it's a building building block approach. Every opportunity is a leadership opportunity. That's for sure. Coach, I know you're a busy man. I appreciate all the time that you took today to talk with us today about leadership. Thanks for giving us a dose. Thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome, and thank you, Richard. I, I appreciate the conversation. All right, Coach. Take care. Thank you. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.